Hello out there, Lucy Fenwick here, and I am happy to welcome you back into the Emberverse. I hope you've been well since our last chat. If you're new here, feel free to snoop around a bit, and I might recommend starting with episode one. Now please, make yourself cosy, and I will fill you in on all that has recently transpired. I'm so sorry to have left the story untold like that, but I had to tell someone about it before I met Rafa, and the farther into the day I got, the more I had to get it out. So now, I pick the story back up just after I left you. The strange and unseasonably cold weather has finally broken, and the temperature here in Castleton has increased immensely. Even though the darkness wasn't far off, it was much too warm for a jacket as I made my way to the alleyway where I first encountered Rafa, not many days ago. The dark green sign with the golden symbols on it swayed ever so slightly in the light breeze. The light breeze was the only thing keeping the temperature from being completely unbearable. I knew that it would cool off soon enough, but my body temperature was rising faster than the air was cooling. Part of me worried that it would be someone other than Rafa waiting for me, or that I was about to walk into another situation I didn't understand. But just before my fear convinced me to turn around and head back to Madame Dufresne, Rafa's shaggy hair and mischievous smile came into view, both legs once again attached. It crossed my mind to give him a rather good berating for impersonating someone with a missing limb, but with him being a formling... I wasn't actually sure how things like amputation and cybernetic fusions worked, and I was very unsure whether it was appropriate to ask such things outright. And so, after a bit of an awkward exchange of pleasantries, I asked him which way the wrong side of town was. I've never met anyone with as much mischief in their eyes as Rafa has. I sincerely wonder what he was like as a small child. Anyway... His response was only to raise his eyebrows and point down. He turned away from me and headed into the alleyway. I followed quickly, catching up to him in two long strides, so as to not appear as if I were actually following him, per se. Rafa stuffed his hands deep in the pockets of his dark trousers and started whistling quietly. Clearly, he wasn't going to elaborate. I've been told by Madeline that I have a tendency to ask an overwhelming amount of questions, so for once, I kept them to myself. I wanted answers, but I didn't want to put him off answering them. As we walked, Rafa taking a leisurely pace, I wondered what he meant when he pointed down. I imagined he was being literal, that there was a subterranean space, but as my mind remembered the many maps I had studied of Kesselton, not just recently, but going back into my childhood, I had never seen anything on any map that made me think there was even so much as an unused tunnel in the entirety of the city. I would just have to wait and see. We were much farther into the alleyway than I had been able to see from the main street, beyond where the billowing tent had been set up that day. I had never dared venture into this alleyway on my own. Something about it didn't feel welcoming. Nothing too off-putting, though, as I had no problem with it now that I had company. If anything, the place was less busy than the other alleyways I frequent. No shops to speak of, only a small handful of solid doors 
that appeared to lead into shops that faced out onto the busier streets that lay on either side of the alleyway. After another handful of moments walking in silence, except for Rafa's whistling, he stopped in front of one of the solid doors. It was an unsuspecting thing, solid black metal with an intricate-looking latching mechanism. As I looked closer at it, a yellow mist appeared. My magic. As I watched, it solidified into an arrow, pointing at a small button in the middle that I would have otherwise easily overlooked. I looked at Rafa. He stood there, arms crossed, wearing a rather smug smile. Test number two, I asked. He shrugged. Why was he being so quiet? I could feel the tension coming off of him, coiled like a spring waiting for release. But why? Keeping my eyes locked on his, I reached out with one finger and pressed the button. His smile widened and he gave me another wink. Seriously, I have never been winked at by anyone other than my granddad, but it seems to be Rafa's... thing. Anyway, the door swung inward of its own accord. Dim orange lamps illuminated the stairway leading down. Rafa picked up his humming once again as he descended the stairs in a loping manner. I wouldn't describe him as lanky, but there is an ease to the way he moves his body that is vastly different than the tinkerers and their very precise movements. It was also in stark contrast to the tension he carried. I followed him down the stairs, lifting my skirt in an attempt to keep it mostly clean. I desperately wanted to know where we were going, but I wasn't going to break the silence first. At least I had been right in thinking he was being literal earlier. The stairs went down at least two full floors worth, before leveling out into an equally dim and unassuming hallway. At the end of the hallway sat another door, much like the one in the alleyway, only without any sort of latch, lock, or other opening device on the outside. All that it had was a dark sign with bright red letters that read, Danger, do not enter. Where exactly was he taking me? Fear flitted around the edges of my mind, but something about Rafa made me trust him. Here we are. He finally broke the silence that had started to be overwhelming now that we were so far underground. What do you mean? I asked. We're going in here. He reached for the door and a handle appeared, made from the same black metal as the door, but shaped like a leaf. I'm not sure if it's tinkerer magic or something else. I couldn't help myself. I had to ask. We're going through. The door marked danger. Do not enter. He pulled the door open and a cacophony of sound met my ears as he responded, Well, we can't very well put, here's where all the deviants hang out, on it, can we? I stuck my tongue out at him. Rafa stepped through the doorway onto a metal landing where I could see more stairs leading down. My legs dreaded the walk back up all the stairs. Following him, the door closed behind me and I took in the space we were in. I'm still not quite sure how to describe it. To say it was a cave seems to do it an injustice, because it was so much more than that. Maybe a cavern would be a better word. The ceiling of the space reached several meters above my head and was dotted with crystalline stalactites in every color imaginable. They shone as if lit from within, creating a shifting rainbow of light on the ceiling. 
The space was relatively dark, and it took my eyes a few moments to start picking up on some of the smaller details. Rafa called my name from a few steps down the metal staircase, and I reluctantly took my eyes away from the ceiling. Looking down as I caught up with him, I realized that the floor of the cabin was stories below me. I truly believe you could fit the entire port station in this cabin. Luckily, Rafa waited for me on an open-topped elevator platform. What is this place? I asked as he set the elevator in motion. No one really knows. He studied me. Parts of it seem to have been created by someone, but no one knows who or when. Tension continued to radiate from him, despite his relaxed demeanor, and I began to wonder if he was nervous to show me a place that was more special to him than he might want me to know. I walked to the edge of the descending platform and watched as the floor of the cabin came closer. In the middle of the floor sat a circular bar like you would find at any pub or tavern in the galaxy. Keepers tended to the large number of patrons that came and went, pouring drinks and serving plates of food. My sense of species knowing was picking up on many more species than I had expected to find in such a small space, though there were many more people down there than I had expected, and the space wasn't really all that small. Rafa led me to the bar, and I tried not to get lost in the crowd as I kept looking around. Stalagmites matching the ceiling reached out of the floor and had been turned into legs for tables of varying heights, some with chairs, some with benches, some for standing, some much too small for Rafa and I, others much, much too big. This place was made for many different people to enjoy together. It was wonderful. The bar glowed blue, like ice, and my mind instantly went back to the sight of the moon lily on the wax seal early in the day. Rafa ordered our drinks from a keeper he clearly knew, and we found a small table tucked into an alcove. A bench had been hewn from the wall of the cabin and covered in pillows to make it comfortable to sit on. The space was surprisingly quiet given the noise in the room at large. I snuck a peek at Rafa once I got sat down, and he watched me, waiting. I had wanted to hold back some of my excitement, as I remembered Madeline's claims of me being too much sometimes, but I really couldn't help it. So I said, I love this place. A more genuine smile turned up the corners of Rafa's eyes than I'd yet seen, and some of the tension he'd been carrying seemed to fade. I continued. For as wonderful as Kesselton has been, for me, this place is so much better. I hoped he would know I was being honest. There was a feeling down there that was unlike anything on the surface. In general, tinkerers like dark and secluded spaces, but this was something else entirely. You'd better be careful. He paused to take a sip of his bright green drink. You might end up liking it so much you decide not to go to Skylab after all. I slapped the table, asking, How do you know these things? He laughed. What else would an ambassador's daughter be doing on Tesselus by herself? I eyed my drink, having never been one to enjoy the effects of alcohol in my system. It's just sweet wine. He took another sip of his. They just make everything brightly coloured down here to match the atmosphere. I held my glass up, and he mimicked me. To new acquaintances, I said, clinking his glass with mine. He took another sip as I did, but raised one eyebrow. Just acquaintances? 
I thought we were at least friends by now. The wine was good, and I took a second sip before setting the glass down. Now was my chance. You seem to know a great deal about me, but I know almost nothing about you. I believe that makes us not friends yet. He shrugged. Fair. What do you want to know? Sorry for the abrupt ending, friends, but this episode was much too long to be broadcast in a single show. The next episode will pick up right where this one left off. So, until we chat again, look up at the stars, take a deep breath, and remember that I, for one, am thankful you are out there. Lucy Fenwick, signing off. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Stephanie Dawn, author and voice of Into the Emberverse. If you enjoyed today's installment, please consider buying Lucy a cup of coffee through Ko-fi. Link in the show notes below or at intotheemberverse.com. Every cup helps Lucy pay for her room at Madame Dufresne and also keeps her adventures advertisement free. New episodes of Into the Emberverse release every other Wednesday, so make sure you hit that follow button and they'll be saved for you. If you were intrigued by what you heard today, please share this episode on social media. Every share is like a little hug and is appreciated more than you realize. For more of Lucy and other Emberverse stories, you can find all of our socials in the show notes below. Until we chat again, take care of one another.